Yo, Taste Buds, as a food enthusiast, when I think of the holidays, I think of turkey and stuffing, rib roast and yams, fruitcake and football. That's right, during the holidays, I am, of course, also hungry for the NFL to satisfy my appetite, especially when I'm on the go. I am using the Yahoo Sports mobile app. With it, I can watch local and primetime games. Watching the local games is of particular interest to me, mainly for hilarious reasons. Mr. Buttfumble himself here in D.C. Primetime games live on the phone all season long. I never miss big NFL matchups or my favorite team in action. Given the hustle and bustle of the season, it's a true football miracle. So download the Yahoo Sports mobile app and have the best holiday ever. Hungry Homies host delicious dinner parties this holiday season with the Jewel sous vide. Cooking with Jewel is hands-free so you can focus on your guests while Jewel does the work for you. There is zero guesswork, so everything comes out exactly the way you like it. On today's episode of House of Carbs, you're going to hear me and Danny Chow talk about a particular sous vide dish prepared by a friend of his. Danny helped him. I wonder if they were using the Jules sous vide. We'll have to, to investigate. If they weren't, I'm going to get one into their hands. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash and use code CARBS to get $15 off for a limited time. That is Chef steps.com slash j-o-u-l-e and then pop the code carb c-a-r-b-s and that's 15 dollars off jewel perfect food every time It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, Hungry Hobbies, Taste Buds, Famished Friends. Welcome to House of Carbs, food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. I'm your hungry host, Joe House. We are live on the Ringer Podcast Network. A couple of in-house hungry homies. It's superlative season right now, my taste buds. We're ranking all of the best things that we ate in 2018. Upcoming shows, we're going to talk about the best TV shows of 2018 related to food. Food trends of 2018. Best new restaurants. But today, Danny Chow is on. The Ringer's own resident food correspondent comes on to tell us the 10 best things he ate in 2018 in his mouth, in his belly. And we had the, 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 the ringer's own Justin Sales, an associate editor. He joins me to compare notes on a little bit of vegan eating during the holiday season. Justin's a practicing vegan. I, my own self, have been dabbling. It's the only way to stay healthy during this holiday season. Of course, we got the food news with Juliet. Let's get in that belly with my main man. Danny Chow. All right, my hungry homies, my taste buds. It is December 2018, which means we are officially and formally 
in superlative season, which is one of my favorite seasons because it coincides with my favorite eating season, which is right now starts with Thanksgiving and runs through the new year. It gives us the opportunity here in December to look back on the year that was a delicious belly year. Nobody does it better than Danny Chow, the ringer's own resident food correspondent. Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm great. I, I, I love being on this podcast. You're 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 my hero for saying so. I don't I don't know whether you're buttering me up or not. Um, but you just keep writing great stories, and so I have to have you on. We have to to, to break it down. Um, up today, it's Thursday, December the thirteenth. Your column about the best things that you ate in 2018. I'm not gonna uh, put my own splash on it. Let me let you. Tell the the culinary comrades out there why you did it, how you came up with your methodology, and how you got down to to the number that you got down to. I mean, I I really wish there were, were like a more precise science about it. I just I, <laughs> I went through I went through my Instagram, I went through my camera, I I looked at like all these random notes that like if I'm inspired by a restaurant, I will actually pull out my phone, like open a Google Doc, and just type random notes and I won't save the, you know, I won't save it under a specific title. So they're all untitled. And so I'm basically searching through my Google Docs looking for, you know, any kind of keyword that might bring me back to an old note that I had. I'm, I'm not a very organized person. And so this is what I came up with. Um, I don't, hold on. Uh, yeah, I actually don't believe it's ranked, but there is a very specific dish that I considered my absolute favorite of the year. Well, let's start if for folks who are listening to this before seeing the article. How many dishes do you identify on your on this list? Uh, there are 10 dishes that I specifically identify. A couple other shout outs early on in the introduction. But yeah, 10 dishes that I thought were the best things I ate this year. And are they all restaurant dishes? Uh, yeah. Uh, nice. they, they are 10 different restaurants uh, across the country. Uh, I didn't make it out to New York this year, so nothing from New York, but a lot of stuff from L.A., which is where, you know, obviously I'm based. Um, Portland, New Orleans, Chicago, you know, up north in the Bay. Um, I feel like I got a pretty eclectic mix, but we'll we'll probably do a little better in terms of Really globetrotting, really, really trying to get around the uh, the Americas um, for next year. Outstanding! I can't wait. I'm 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 already hungry just uh, thinking about it. Now I do want to make a very quick aside. Um, you we, we you just confessed that this is all uh, restaurants that you enjoyed this year and dishes specific dishes you enjoyed at restaurants. The reason that I asked the question is because I do follow you on the gram and on the Twitter as well, but primarily on the gram. And you have a deft hand, your, your own self, with a handful of dishes. And I thought maybe you might have cooked yourself. You might have tried a new recipe in 2018 that was so GD good. I Actually, you know, we have an e-label. So goddamn good that you just gave yourself credit for one of the 10 best things that you had in 2018. I'm going to put you on the spot. If if we said it was the it, we're going into the Danny Chow kitchen, 
Right. And, uh, you know, it was a, a dish that, that you made that you knocked out of the park. What, what, what dish would that be? Um, it was, it would probably be, a a dish that I actually didn't cook myself, but I, I played a hand in the kitchen. I'm actually okay. not too confident of a cook, but I, I'll, I do what I can usually making, you know, stews and stuff that are ugly and not necessarily made to be presentable, but that tastes good and, and really come from the soul. That's, that's kind of where my forte is. You mean ugly, delicious, Danny? Absolutely. Hashtag That's what I'm talking about. Uh, but shout the, out, shout out Chang. Shout out Chang. Uh, but yeah, the one thing that I ate actually recently, it was one of my good friends made a sous vide chuck steak. And normally, when you're when you're cooking with chuck, you're you're thinking, oh, it's a stew meat because there's it's generally very tough, and you kind of want to cook it down for a really long time to you know get out all of the the fat and the flavor and the connective tissue that makes everything all tender. Uh, when you put it through a sous vide machine, which basically cooks it at a regulated temperature um, and gets that regulated temperature throughout the meat entirely, the flavor of the meat is like so intense because obviously you're using it for like chilies and stuff. But when you cook it through sous vide, it basically turns it into a piece of ribeye. Like it's as tender as ribeye. It's, it cuts the same as ribeye. It's so flavorful. And it's it's super cheap compared to, you know, getting ribeye or getting another more pricier cut of meat. Like, just putting it through this one, you know, method of cooking com- completely transforms the way um, it's experienced. And I thought it was brilliant. So I know that this is not uh, in your column, and we were going to get to the best 10 best things that you ate in 2018, but I'm so fascinated by this idea of taking first of all the idea of of chuck steak so those that those words don't really go together people right. don't think about that cut of meat as uh as anything other than ground ground chuck right that's that's where you see that cut of meat um at the supermarket i mean how, do you do you have to does your friend did he have to ask the butcher to to cut it in steak form um you Honestly, it just came in like huge. Well, he brought it over, so it came in huge like slabs. So like a thick, yeah. a thick ri- ribeye cut, but just with chuck. Like just that, with chuck. Yeah, that's that's essentially what you're eating. Um, and it was okay. it was amazing. And we're gonna save this for another day. I want to know about the sides. I want to liken this. I I my own self in my eating experience. What you you describing this made me think of um, this particular dish that my mom used to make, where she would prepare. It was also uh, it was chuck or flank. It was like a, a a you know a reasonably priced piece of beef that you wouldn't ordinarily uh, think of um, as being capable of being tenderized. That my mom cooked in a dish in a pressure cooker. Yep. Um, way back in the day and you describing the sous vide and the way that, that um, this Chuck steak came out heart. We're going to have, you and I are going to go deep on the Chuck steak. We're going to save that for the next time you're on. Cause I want to make sure that we, we uh, tackle your 10 best bites of, of 2018. Let's go. Let's start right at the top. You said that there was one dish that stood above all, all the others. Let's, let's start with that one. Okay. So my favorite dish of the year, is a vegan dish. Uh, Whoa! It, yeah, it's a it's an oyster mushroom kebab from a restaurant called Bavel in LA. It's in the Arts District. It's probably it would be my pick for the best new restaurant in Los Angeles. 
Um, oh, so this is incredible. Yeah. This this coincidence. You don't know this. On today's show, Justin Sales, a ringer's own uh, resident vegan. I'm having him on uh, to to compare notes with me. It is one of my house secrets here in this glorious but disastrous holiday eating season. I will eat vegan a couple times a week to sort of detoxify, to prepare me for the glorious rum cakes and the pomegranate pie and the uh, the, the the prime rib that awaits me in the variety of, of uh, parties inside my own home and otherwise through this beautiful eating season. Um, so I'm I'm very thrilled to hear and shocked to hear that a vegan dish is at the top of your list. Let's hear about this dish. So Bavel is Ori Manashi's second restaurant in LA, and Ori Manashi is the chef and owner of Bestia, which is probably the hardest reservation to get in LA right now. Uh, it's star-studded, right. full of celebrities at all times of the day. Uh, best times to do it would be probably early or late, and you just kind of walk up and see if they have any space at the bar. Pretty much, you know, the, the standard trick for any, you know, high-end and, like, fancy restaurant. Um, but yeah, so I am, I've been absolutely obsessed by this mushroom dish. It's just the best oyster mushrooms you can find at Farmer's Market. And it's basically cooked over uh, wood fire embers. And so mm. one, one of the things at Bavel is it's an open kitchen and the centerpiece of that open kitchen is this roaring fire that they keep contained. And it's just a bunch of wood logs that kind of get burned down into these embers. So everything is just really hot and you can kind of smell the wood smoke like even outside of the restaurant kind of permeating uh, the neighborhood. And I feel yeah. like this mushroom kind of encapsulates all of that flavor of the wood smoke better than any other dish on the menu. Um, and like the, the oyster mushroom as the perfect kind of flavor sponge? Is that what we're Yeah, pretty the, much. It's, what we're imagining? It's basically just this blank slate that kind of, the texture when it's cooked, you know, under these wood, wood embers, it becomes very, you know, luxurious. Like Jonathan Gold, when he reviewed this restaurant, he called it akin to eating a nice chew of a, a flank steak. I would compare right, it to, right. you know, like a medium rare duck, you know, it, it has this yeah. very luxurious texture. Um, it takes so, on some of the qualities of, of like a, like a, a protein, like a meat. Absolutely. And so the, the dish, it's, it's basically just, you know, a, a kebab, it's smoky. It, it has this very strong meaty essence because of this, you know, the char fire that uh, gets on it. And it's underlaid by this sauce. And it's a very simple sauce. It's made with a puree of uh, stinging nettles and cardamom. And then it's dusted with sumac. And so mm. these are very, you know, kind of weird, like, ingredients. And it's kind of hard to conceptualize. But basically, it all kind of accents this very strong wood-fired flavor of the mushrooms. And it adds a little it tartness. It adds a little, like herbal flavor, a little spiciness. I don't know. Does it evoke a particular um, 
uh, flavor profile of, of a place out in the world? Does it like evoke uh, Morocco? Does it evoke North Africa? Is there any kind of a, like a regional of, uh, association that you get? Yeah. So Ori Menashe, uh, this restaurant is specifically an ode to his childhood. He was born and raised in Israel and outside of the Tel Aviv area. And this whole entire restaurant, the entire conceit of it is kind of a, a homage to that style of cooking. And when you talk about Israeli cooking, it's really just a, a melange of, of a bunch of different cultures uh, across yeah. the Mediterranean. And so you kind of get all of that. You get all of that, you know, North African, you get the, you know, uh, places in Georgia, further east. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful. And, but the thing is, when I first ate it, I was just like, oh my God, this is like, this is like the best yakitori in Los Angeles, except it's one, it's not made with chicken. And two, <laughs> like it's, it's completely vegan. Like this is, this is so good. And it, it's gotten me hooked. I'm not a type, I'm not the type of person who loves to order the same dish at a restaurant every single time I go there. I like to expand my horizons and look past my favorites. I wanted, I want to explore the menu for all it has. But every time I go to Bavel, I can't help myself. The, these mushrooms are so freaking good. Now, are they um, in in kind of entree size, or what, what's the size of the dish? Yeah, it's so these these oyster mushrooms are probably way larger than what you're expecting. They're, uh, I, I don't even know how they're probably the plumpest oyster mushrooms I've ever seen. The first time I went there, they were a lot smaller, but I think the past two or three times I've gone, they've basically been oyster mushrooms on steroids. Um, Do we know where they're getting them, where, where Ori's getting them from? I don't believe so, but... Um, oh. Yeah. Is it a secret? You think it's a state secret at Bobble? No, nah, it's it's just something I've, I've never asked about because I've been way too preoccupied with, Busy. with my eyes yeah. <laughs> rolled back and, you know, really just luxuriating word. in the experience. Word, word. Okay. Well, we, we've done the right thing. We, we took the number one dish... That went into your mouth in 2018. We gave it proper uh, homage there. Let's talk about a few of the other dishes that make your list. Sure. Tell me about um, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans? Well, this one was easy. Uh, New Orleans, I had listed Willie Mays fried chicken. Anyone yes. who goes to New Orleans has to go here. It's, uh, yes. you know, it's a James Beard Classic Award winner. Uh, it is just an institution out there and it's the best fried chicken I've ever had in my life. Period. Boom. That's it. Done. All right. How about uh Portland? Portland was a very specific experience for me. Uh I wrote about a restaurant called Han Oak out there, which is a kind of upscale uh Korean restaurant out in Portland that is run out of a house. And oh. it is just a transportive experience. And they are just making really good food and making really good company. It's it's just a real nice vibe to to eat at this place. Um, and you know, last week on House of Carbs, the best thing that I ate uh, for the week was a, a Korean barbecue here in Annandale, Virginia. And some of the feedback that I got was, you know, it's all well and good to go to um, Korean restaurants, but the best Korean meal you're going to have, it's always cooked by the moms. Right. You, you, need to, you need to sit down with a, with a uh, go to a Korean house and sit down and have a Korean mom make you uh, a meal. 
Is that the kind of experience that you had at Han Oak? So Han Oak is basically, it's, it's an upscale version of that, but how they've kind of manipulated these flavors is really interesting. Um, so actually, uh, Peter Cho, who is the chef of, who is the chef of Han Oak, uh, has his mom making the kimchi that are served at the restaurant. Oh. And so there is a oh. little bit of that, you know, family touch that, you know, grandma touch to uh, the restaurant. Uh, the dish that I really haven't been able to stop thinking about ever since I ate it back in March, I believe, uh, was uh, a dish called suyuk, which is basically just a boiled uh, brisket. It's a very simple, like humble dish in the kind of, um, I don't know, the, the, the annals of Korean cuisine. But Peter kind of takes a spin on it because he used to work for April Bloomfield uh, under, you know, the Spotted Pig and at the, Bre- at the Breslin. And so he yeah. learned a lot of techniques uh, in, you know, just standard American cuisine. And so he kind of incorporated that. So he makes a corned beef suyuk. And so he corns oh. this, this brisket and he huh. serves it um, in a very light, delicate broth with, you know, a little bit of a, a slaw on top. And um, so it, it's just, it was a very inventive kind of interesting way of looking at basically his upbringing. He, he was raised, you know, in a very traditional Korean household. And when he went off to become, you know, this professional, he kind of took those, you know, influences and basically his livelihood and put it back into his, his roots. And I think it was wow. just a very clever way of, of executing the dish. That's incredible. Well, I, I'm not going to subject you to, you know, going through each and every one of the items that you mentioned uh, in the article today. The ringer.com, Danny Chow, the 10 best things he ate in 2018. But let's, uh, we, 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 we went through, uh, the details of number one, we hit New Orleans, we hit Portland, uh, mentioned one other standout, uh, while we have you. Hmm. Okay. So here is one dish that like, I still don't really understand. Uh, I don't understand why it works. I don't understand how the chef came up with it, but there is an underground restaurant in LA called Wolf's Mouth. And it's an underground supper club. They have a very weird way of, of getting the seating arrangements. You're basically sitting with a bunch of strangers in this room with a bunch of taxidermy. They're like deer heads hanging around and you're sitting right next to the kitchen. And they have a dish that was basically a rabbit meatball on top of a prawn salad with a churro and a, a corn like a corn tamal, which is the uh, singular form of tamale, um, and it just looks like a Willy Wonka ride into hell. I, I don't really know how to describe this dish. Well, I have to tell you, just based on, um, the elements of it, it doesn't really make sense do it for me. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. I ate it and I was like, First of all, I saw the churro and I was like, oh, that's cute. So it's, it's probably going to taste, you know, there's going to be some sort of savory element. I take a bite. No, it's a churro. It's, a, it's just a regular churro, you know, cinnamon, <laughs> sugar. And I, but when you eat it all together, something happened. And I was just like, all the flavors are aligning. And I just, 
I have no idea. And I just burst out laughing hysterically, like along with the the guests. I think that was kind of that's kind of the intent of the restaurant. You you get this very absurdist food, and you're you're sitting amongst strangers, so it's a little awkward, and you have this food that's like out of this world. You don't really know how to explain it. And the only thing you could really do is just laugh and commiserate with everyone else who are sharing your exact thoughts. It was, it well, was a know, very, very interesting experience. Yeah, so I, I have two reactions as you're describing it. On the one hand, it sounds like the actual f- food itself and the way it's being um, kind of delivered in this uh, non-linear, non-traditional manner. It has its own sort of experimental element to it um, and kind of like a chemistry experiment where these uh, on the face of it, these these uh, dissonant uh, elements being brought together in a beautiful harmony. But it sounds uh, also to me, as you're describing it, like you, your own self and all the guests there are, are, are being part of some, you know, subjected to some kind of experiment, some kind of a psychology uh, test kind of vibe going on here. I, yeah, I really do think that's it. But like, when when I took that bite, it, it made me think of, and we've talked about this in, in a previous episode, you know, Samin Nosrat's uh, salt, fat, acid, heat. When yeah. you add, you know, her, her whole theory is when you add up all of those elements, you can create something that, you know, goes beyond just those four elements. And that's kind of what happened in this dish. You get something that's extremely savory, extremely sweet, extremely sour. And you get these sauces, a mole sauce and a poblano chili sauce that kind of wrap everything together. And together, somehow, you know, somehow you're eating this this prawn salad that's extremely sour, this churro that's extremely sweet, and this fried rabbit meatball that is super savory. And it just, I'm 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 at a loss for words right now. Like it, it, well, it was. I want to be careful. Uh, they don't make you sign something saying you won't talk about the food or the experience, right? You're not out of the Fight Club now. Oh are you? no, 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 we're we're good. But right, good. I, I just can't let you know where it is. <laughs> that that that. Oh, it, there there is a single place. There is a, an yeah. actual destination. It doesn't. Yep. It's not a roving, rotating supper club. Okay. Now, having gone there once, are you allowed to go back? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there, I okay. actually sat uh, next to a father and son who have been there multiple times, and and you basically become friends with you know okay. the the chefs and and the the workers there, and so it's cool. And they they kind of figure out you know who you are, and and they try not to have too many people in the same industries in terms of like occupation, and so it's always like a new experience every single time. So even if you're familiar with the work of um, Craig Thornton, who's the chef. Uh, every single dinner will be different. That's incredible. So I, I'm now putting this on my very short list. I've not never been to Bavel. I've only been to Bestia once, and I mainly drank at Bestia. That that tells you how great my experience was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's not a knock on Bestia. It just means I wasn't under proper supervision. I wasn't in, it allowed to enjoy the restaurant the way that it's intended and now and now what's it called wolf's mouth wolf's mouth yeah wolf's mouth so the so bavel and wolf's mouth at the number one and number two in my next trip out to los angeles i'm still trying to find this uh this place that that um rich cho described uh the former uh general manager of the charlotte hornets it is uh a, a burmese restaurant oh i've been run there. by 
I've been there. Have you been? Yeah. So it's okay. it's a it's a kind of a speakeasy situation, I believe. Uh, it's out in the Monterey Park uh, city, uh, a suburb of Los Angeles, and it's just you know they're serving humble Burmese classics out of their home. Uh, yeah. I, I went so like he, many years ago. He wouldn't. He he deliberately um, it was obtuse about exactly where it's located and exactly how you get in there and and all those kinds of elements. And I respect that, but that that's on my list also. You and I will will have to go visit this because if it's been some time since you've been there, I bet I bet they're still cranking out the classics and and it's time to to uh, give it an, another test. Uh, Danny Chow. The 10 best things he ate in 2018, the ringer resident food correspondent, our own hungry homie here on House of Carbs. Thank you so much for coming on today, my dude. Always a pleasure. We'll do this again soon. I can't wait. 2019 is for the hungry homies. All right, my famished friends, as always, humongous thanks to Danny Chow. Ten delicious things for you to experience through his eyes and his belly in 2018. We're about to talk vegan holiday eating with the homie, Justin Sales. But before we do that, quick word from our good pals at Hotel Tonight. Here is a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. And Hotel Tonight has partnered with these awesome hotels to help them sell those unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. Seriously, if you love scoring amazing hotel deals, you got to try Hotel Tonight. Forget scrolling through never-ending lists. Hotel Tonight shows you a list of incredible deals at cool hotels that they think you are going to love. They even give short profiles of each hotel, complete with all the info you need and pictures of what the rooms really look like. Plus, even though their name is Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can also book in advance. Perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool, whatever you want. I have to tell you, Producer Kyle, I, my own self, had to get up to New York City a few weeks ago. I had uh, an invitation I couldn't refuse to sit down at Bobby Flay's Gato Restaurant. Me and Juliet have talked about it uh, a couple times. I went and then she went. I had to get myself up there on pretty short notice. I didn't know that I was going up, but it was an offer I couldn't refuse. And I downloaded the Hotel Tonight app onto, I got a new phone. I was about so to I say, to why were you downloading it? I was situation. about to say, House, why were yeah, you downloading it? How about it? Can you, be- <laughs> can you believe that? The new phone caveat, uh, okay. The app, and, and I will tell you this. Uh, I'm not going to um, uh, announce where I stayed, but it was a five-star, five-level everything. I'm talking about the shampoos, the, the 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 linens, the service, the lotions. It was top-notch across lotion. the board. Yeah, there we go. And the price was um, it was less than four hundred dollars, which a New York City five-star hotel on a Friday night at the last minute like that for less than four hundred dollars is is a is a goddamn steal. And I felt like I was stealing to start scoring amazing deals, my hungry homies at incredible hotels. Get yourself to hoteltonight.com 
or download the app now just like I did. Quick word also from our friends at Sonos. You can upgrade all of your entertainment with brilliant room-filling sound courtesy of the Sonos Beam, which is the smart compact sound bar for your TV. It's super easy to set up and it pairs with your existing remote if you want to do that. And even though the Sonos Beam is connected to your TV, you can still play music podcasts like House of Carbs or audiobooks when the TV is off. You can even pair the Sonos Beam with the Sonos One, which is the mini but mighty smart speaker that fits perfectly on your countertop for an even richer listening experience and more rooms of your home. Once you connect Sonos One and Beam over Wi-Fi, you can play music in the kitchen while someone watches TV in the living room, or if you want, group all the speakers together and play in sync. And I don't, I'm not saying play in sync. You could play in sync and, you know, Bye 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 bye. Is that is that in sync, producer Kyle, or is that uh, that's the one? That's the one. I think, right? Okay, now I don't know. I think it's in sync. Well, look, the point is everything works together seamlessly, and control is super simple with the Sonos app. Even I have figured this out. AirPlay to the touch panel or your voice. Those are all the options for controlling these beautiful devices. AirPlay two, touch panel, or your voice, which you use with the built-in. Amazon Alexa, that is my son. He uses his voice. Alexa knows him now uh, personally, and he's in this mode where he wants to know what the top songs across the world are. So uh, last night he said, Alexa, play the top songs in Singapore, and wouldn't you know it, up came Post Malone. Now, I don't know what's going on in Singapore, but it feels like you know, this this day and age, something better than Post Malone. I mean, you know, no no disrespect intended to Post Malone, but come on, I'm I want something a little more exotic than that. Go to Sonos S O N O S dot com to learn more and order your Sonos Beam to start your smart home sound system. All right, Taste Buds, as you know, we have been featuring lately here on the House of Carbs. The best thing I ate this week, and we've had the pleasure of talking about this, the best thing I ate this week with Juliet Littman, the best thing I ate this week with Bill Simmons. This week, I, my own self, as part of my holiday eating program, the best thing I ate this week was a vegan lunch. And I'm talking about organic, plant-based food, a way of keeping myself on point during the holiday season because we have all of these wonderful excesses available to us. I thought it might be helpful and useful to all the hungry homies out there to tap an in-house resource at The Ringer. Associate Editor Justin Sales is on the hot House of Carbs line to talk about his own vegan eating experience during the holidays. Yo, JS, what's happening, my man? How's it going, House? Thank you very much for having me on. All right, all right. Thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, I think in the first place, is it well known that within the Ringer Circle, you are the resident vegan, or are we outing you today? Um, A little of both. Uh, There's some people here, um, shouts to Jim Cunningham, who will be the the first to mock me for it. And then there's, you know, I people I sit next to 
they didn't even know I was vegan until they kind of picked up on it after a year. Yeah, so you, you, you've been with uh, the Ringer outfit since the website launched a couple few years ago um, and have been living out in Los Angeles uh, for about four years now, but you are by origin an East Coaster, right? Yes, I'm originally from Providence, Rhode Island. The, 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 they call that the birthplace of veganism. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, birthplace of veganism, birth, birthplace of um, aioli, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they do not call Providence, Rhode Island the, the birthplace of veganism, I don't believe. No, not even so, close. So uh, help us a little bit with your kind of um, vegan origin story, if you, if you don't mind. Sure. So I've been vegetarian for about 17, 18 years now. Long time. And yeah. when I moved out to Los Angeles about four years ago, I was able to finally fully make the switch to being vegan. Um, and your, 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 your vegetarian choice, you're, you're a youth. I, I, I know you're a youth. Um, you've been practicing vegetarianism for, for that means most of your life. Um, what was the original appeal for you? It's not political for me, um, but I do like the animals. So that's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, there's a health component sure. to it too, but like, I mean, my whole thing is I'm not preachy about it. I think the diet is a personal choice, uh, much like, yeah. much like religion or politics or anything else. Like whatever you want to do with your diet is cool with me. Me personally, it's just, I, it's something I didn't feel comfortable with when it came to eating meat. And you discovered that. How old were you when you discovered that about yourself? Oh, well, I'm about to out myself for how old I am. Uh, I, I was, um, I was 17. Yeah, right. So, so yeah. I, like I said, you're a youth, uh, relatively. So it means like pr pretty, pretty early on. Yeah, relatively to me, that's for sure. <laughs> pretty <laughs> early on, you you just you know found something out about yourself and then made that lifestyle choice for for yourself. Were you living in Providence at that time? I was. And, you know, I wasn't exactly the most healthy vegetarian when I was living in Providence. You know, it was a lot of pizza, a lot of pizza, a lot of pasta. Um, I don't know. I talk about in college, I used to have like five bucks to my name and I'd buy a pack of cigarettes and a slice of pizza and that was it for the day. And that Ooh. was me being vegetarian. Um, <laughs> obviously, that's, well, that's changed over time because I'm still alive. Um, that's the, that's the college diet. I mean, that's an all-star diet right there. Right. It's really not that, uh, that much different at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I will say, uh, little known fact, uh, Joe house house of carbs for a year and a half practiced vegetarianism oh, wow. in my dorm room at the college of the Holy cross. And what, what was, in fact, oh, go on, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say what, what inspired you in the same way. It was a lifestyle choice that made sense to me at that time in my life. Uh, I had, uh, there was a real like triggering experience with, um, eating meat that had been prepared in the food hall okay. at the college of the Holy cross. And so I, it was just, it wasn't that hard of a decision to avoid the meat at okay. Holy cross in that era. And, uh, at the time it was fortunate, um, Worcester had a really cool, uh, sort of organic uh, food scene early or, uh, you know, first mover in that regard. And so I could get on a bus and go to the, um, the co-op and pick up some ingredients that were like dried, you know, fruits, uh, vegetables, 
um, bring them back to the dorm. And then I had a little hot plate and I would make like a beans and rice kind of thing. Now I was vegetarian, not vegan. Right. So I would just basically make beans and rice tacos or beans and rice uh, uh, burritos. That's what, so you were, the most amazing thing to me about that is that you were actually doing some cooking in college. Cause I think I ate out for literally every meal while I was in college. Well, and it was it was highly illegal. You're not supposed to have a hot plate okay. uh, in the dorm room. Um, but you know, I was I was a hungry kid. I wanted to eat when I wanted to eat. And if I missed the 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 food hall at that point in time, uh, everybody knows how old I am already. So it's not really outing myself. Late '80s, early '90s. It's not going to be a big surprise to anybody. There there wasn't an enormous uh, diversity of vegetarian options at the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. Right. Um, and if I missed the dining uh, room hours, the dining hall hours. Um, I, I needed to eat, you know, when I needed to eat and I was balling, I was hooping. This is part of the origin story between me and, and the pod father himself, Bill Simmons. We would go hoop. If I came back at nine 30 at night after playing two, two hours of hoop and I was hungry, I just cook up a taco, bean and rice taco. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's so, uh, so you're, you're the, the, uh, original version of you doing vegetarianism was kind of you know what you would expect you you made your lifestyle choice and uh it was in college so you you weren't able to you know explore all of kind of the 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 healthy options in providence how did that kind of evolve over your time after you sort of made that switch well you know i got a little bit older i eventually quit smoking i just wanted to be healthier overall so you know there are a lot of vegetarian and vegan dining options in Providence. You know, you're lucky if you can catch a restaurant that has a thing on the menu you can eat. I mean, vegetarian is a little bit easier, right? Because there's so much Italian food in Providence. So if if you're okay with cheese, if you're okay with, I don't know, it's a lot of vegetarians eat eggs. Pasta. Yeah, there's a lot of pasta. I mean, I still make pasta for myself, but like just I don't load it up with cheese. You know, I'm not ordering. And you can, it's it's perfectly easy to get dairy-free pasta. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I make, you know, red lentil pasta is like my go-to. It's delicious. I don't know how that sounds to the listeners, but it's delicious to me. But um, and, and and how do you, you know, you make the pasta, what's the sauce? What's the go-to sauce with the red lentil pasta? Uh, just, I mean, a, a marinara. Uh, I mean, there are just so many options. I, I don't, I don't make a good sauce myself. I mean, I'll leave that to my mother, but um, oh. the, you know, it just uh, do a store-bought marinara. Sometimes I do some olive oil just toss some veggies in there really simple perfect yeah so th- this let's fast forward you mentioned your mom it is the holiday season mm-hmm. and the reason i thought it'd be great to, to have you is because you know in this holiday season which really lends itself to eating and drinking to excess uh there's also these these family gatherings that we may have and you know the the traditions for those family gatherings at Thanksgiving and Christmas revolve around, you know, uh, meat or turkey mm-hmm. in the case of Thanksgiving and, and the, uh, you know, sausage stuffing and all the sort of uh, traditions for those holidays. The seven fishes. You know, with, with animal products in there. There's how the- do you handle, uh, how have you handled the holidays now that you're in this vegan mode? It's tough. Um you know, I spent Thanksgiving out in Los Angeles and I'm going back next week for Christmas. It's, um, I mean, I want to stress that 
doing anything vegan in Los Angeles is really easy. You can do vegan Thanksgiving, you know, if you want to go get fake turkey, you can do that. Very easily, you can go out dining. There are vegan dining options on Thanksgiving. It's really easy in Los Angeles. Going back to Providence and spending it with my family and my mother's side of the family, which is super Italian, uh, it's a little more difficult. They've been accommodating, but like it's kind of took a while to get, like they could deal with vegetarianism a little bit easier than they could deal with the veganism. Um, but God bless my mother. She's been really, she tries her hardest with it, right? Like she still wants to make eggplant Parmesan. So she'll, <laughs> she like legit will go buy Whole Foods, like the fake egg thing and like use that to kind of make the, to, to kind of bread the eggplant. <laughs> Intra in incredible. It's, it's, yeah, she does that like a, a dish for me. It's like, it's really. Yeah. It, Labor of love. She's right. your mom. And then for them, the exact opposite. It's just, you know, <laughs> she makes it, she makes it regular. So it's not like the whole family yeah, subjected to this. But in terms of like, you know, you, you obviously have to skip out on the meat. Um, you have to skip out on a lot of the dishes. But <clears throat> fam my family's pretty accommodating. I'd say it's like, so on Christmas Eve, we'll go out to dinner. Um, and it's a, a big dinner with my family. And we go to a specific restaurant. And there is nothing on the menu that that's in Cranston, Rhode Island. And there is absolutely nothing on that menu for me. So I end up having to get like wheat pasta with some like broccoli in it. And it's the bill comes and it still costs like $30 for that. It's the most, Oh boy. It's like the most ridiculously upcharged thing I've ever seen. But that's, do they do a good job of it at least? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> in a word. No. Yeah. Not, not even close, but you know, it is what it is. It's, it's family. The holidays are about family more than they are getting good pasta. That's right. But that's right. You can make that sacrifice for the family, right? Um. What? Well. Uh. How about uh desserts? Because that, this is kind of the thing we've been talking about this holiday season here on House of Carbs. The guests and everybody is. It, it's just a reminder that you can kind of turn on the green light. Uh, all desserts are green lighted. Mm -hmm. Starting on Thanksgiving and running all the way through the the, the new year, um, are you a desserts guy? I love dessert. Um, that has been the toughest thing about going fully vegan. Um, just having to pass up on dessert. Um, I mean, you don't have to pass it up. There, are, there are some great vegan options out there. There are, and there are a lot of great vegan bakeries. Actually, the only fully vegan place in Providence, Rhode Island, if I can shout them out. Um, is Wildflower, and it's this really great break bakery on the east side of Providence. Um, I will typically bring stuff from there to a holiday thing because, you know, I, I, I can't really cook in a way that I'd want to present things to my family, but I can go to the store and bring a bunch of vegan pastries and then not, I don't know, sometimes I won't tell them they're vegan and let them, like, enjoy it, and then I'll tell them after. You know, pull that gutcha thing, but I mean, <laughs> um, but look, you you do you, and there's nothing wrong with with converse. Like, good food is good food, and people want to eat good food. Like, you know, it's not a gotcha kind of thing. Yeah, uh, if you you know what I mean, it's like you didn't say, uh, here's this slice of of a, a delicious uh, pomegranate pie, and by the way, there's no dairy ingredients. People don't say, what are the ingredients in this rum cake? Well, other than than just please make sure there's lots of rum in it. Sure. If if somebody served me vegan rum cake, I'd be eating that vegan rum cake. 
Right, but like my my father's like a real steak and potatoes kind of guy. Like just all meat. Like I I can't I really it's kind of funny because I can't recall the last time I've seen him eat a vegetable. Um Oh wait, he doesn't even have vegetable as a side when he's doing his meat and potatoes? Yeah, not really. No, it's not it's yeah. it's not a good look for my dad on that one. <laughs> but, he sounds like a military man. Um in some ways, yeah. <laughs> but the uh if I were to tell him, if I were to give him this cake and be like, by the way, it's vegan, right off the bat, he might think it's weird. He might think it's the thing. That, I get it. Yeah. So it's like, just not his, it's not just his not his tradition, just not his orientation. I get that. Yeah. I don't have any problem Same with here. it at all. Same here. Um, tell us about what you did this past Thanksgiving. So one of my closest friends is out here is vegan, and we did a completely non-traditional Thanksgiving. Um, we did Mexican food in the morning, <laughs> like brunch. We did tacos. And then mm. later that evening, we went out for vegan sushi at uh, this restaurant, Shoujin, which is in Little Tokyo here in Los Angeles. It's amazing place. But it could not have been further from a traditional Thanksgiving. I mean, we watched football. We did everything else. But when it came to the actual food, I don't know. It's <laughs> it didn't feel very Thanksgiving to me. It was great. It's great well, to spend time with friends and family, but that's it. You covered all the the, the crucial bases. You know, that we we're in this day and age where some folks come to regret and resent having turkey be the the, the predominant uh thing that's in the centerpiece of, of of the table and folks are 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 off doing their their own thing. Our, our beloved Juliet Littman, I'm not sure that 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 uh she had turkey this this past Thanksgiving. This is the beautiful thing about America in, in 2018. If you don't want to eat turkey at Thanksgiving, don't eat turkey at Thanksgiving. I'm glad you mentioned the tacos. This is this is part of what uh, made me want to speak with you. The best thing I ate this week were indeed uh, vegan tacos from a place here in Washington, D.C. It's a small outfit that does organic plant-based food called Fruitive. It is, mm. in my humble opinion... Uh, it's expensive. Uh, I was going to call it overpriced. A lot of people might call it overpriced. I understand um, you have to pay a premium sometimes to get you know perfectly fresh, perfectly organic uh, ingredients. But two different types of tacos that I enjoyed, and I'll put those up on 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 the gram. I want to hear about this these these tacos that you had for breakfast. Oh man, they were they weren't like they weren't actually special. I mean, I could talk about some great vegan tacos, but the the ones that ones that we made were just you know some typical um, rice, beans, avocado, some fake chicken in there. It was it was nothing special, but um, yeah, but you made them. We you made, made them. them. We made them the with thing. my friends. Yeah, but with with your pals. Yeah, it was great. But um, so that's the Thanksgiving spirit. There, if if you want to know about some great vegan tacos here in Los Angeles, there I do, I do. Well, every like Friday and Saturday night, I live in a neighborhood called Highland Park, and every Friday and Saturday night, there are about four or five food trucks that serve like almost exclusively vegan tacos or burritos, and they are absolutely amazing. There's one called Plant Food for People. They use jackfruit. Um, there's another called Cena. Uh, I think that's like, I, I don't know what they actually use for their fake meat, but like if I, I don't know what like an Al Pastor taco tastes like because I wasn't, I was vegetarian by the time I was ever exposed to like authentic Mexican yes. food. But 
I mean, it tastes as close to the real thing as I can possibly imagine. I mean, I would need someone like you to let me know if that's actually the case, but... Um, well, I, I, I would happily uh, sample these. I, I, I'm now all the way in, and the, the, these tacos that I have are, uh, you know, lettuce wrap. Um, what, what is the... For the oh, tacos wow. in, in L.A. that you're talking about, what's the basis? How do they how are they prepared? Uh, usually, usually on a corn tortilla. So, oh, great, yeah. That, um, that that takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, the the the, the real corn. So you're headed back to to Providence, Rhode Island. You'll mm-hmm. get to your bakery. You'll load up uh, on these beautiful items. You may or may not tell your family mm-hmm. at Christmas time uh, <laughs> that the that the delicious baked goods they're eating. They might be um, on to me by ha- now. They yeah. Might. <laughs> so if you if you hand it over, they they're they're suspicious. They know. Yeah. And then you'll you'll go have your great family tradition uh, at at the the restaurant on Christmas Eve, and you'll have <laughs> pasta that doesn't wow anybody, but nope. it is vegan. Yep, and, it, and, and it, that's 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 the tradition. Justin <laughs> Sales, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you and so joining much. us on House of Carbs. Thank you so much for having me, House. All right, big thanks to the homie Justin. We are, of course, going to have some food news with Juliet. She's in New York still. We have some New York eating to discuss. But first, a nice word from our nice friends at Snake River Farms. Snake River Farms is out there offering some of the best beef in the world. Listen to this. It is a crossbreed of highly prized, purebred Japanese Wagyu cattle and traditional American cattle breeds. These melt-in-your-mouth cuts are intensely marbled with a robust beef flavor. You can experience rich Wagyu flavors and still eat more than a couple ounces of steak. That's always the problem with Wagyu. It's so rich you can only eat a couple ounces. This beautiful mix, the Snake River Farms American Wagyu, grades out well above USDA prime beef. Most people have never had beef this marbled. No wonder it's served by chefs who know beef, ranging from the up-and-coming chefs to well-known culinary geniuses and their establishments. You can find Snake River Farms meat at beautiful restaurants like Thomas Keller's French Laundry and Per Se. Good luck on getting into either one of those. A beautiful experience at Wolfgang Puck's Cut. If you can get in there, you're going to have a steak. It's from Snake River Farms. Masaharu Morimoto's Morimoto. Delicious. Get one of these beautiful pieces of meat. Snake River Farms is served in Michelin-starred restaurants, James Beard award-winning kitchens, and legendary steakhouses all over the United States. Elevate your own holiday meals this season with beef and pork from Snake River Farms full line of steaks, roasts, and hams. You can check them out at the www.snakeriverfarms.com. Listen to this. They have a ham right now. It's the Kurubota ham, which is like the Wagyu of, of, of ham and pork. It's the Kobe equivalent of ham. House of Carbs listeners get 15% off their order. Like I say, get over to the www.snakeriverfarms.com farms.com you enter promo code house that's 15 percent off at checkout promo code house and get a great big chunk of cash back in your pocket this holiday season 
All right, Taste Buds, it is now time for Food News. Yo, Juliet. What's up? How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm I'm psyched. We have uh, Danny Chow on today because we're like officially and affirmatively in superlative season. Yeah. And Danny, uh, by coincidence, uh, did a column for the Ringer: the ten best things that he ate in 2018. So we're covering all that territory, and we're talking to Greenwald next week about the best shows of 2018. What did we learn from television shows? I we're going to try and get. Bill Addison, the uh, eater at large food critic who does his annual best new restaurants of 2018. We're trying to get him on. He's now the LA, LA Times, Times food critic. Yeah. That's right. So you'll get to enjoy his work with your own two eyes by picking up a physical newspaper if that's your if that's your thing. And I think we're also going to try and get uh, Richard Blaze, uh, Chef Blaze, famous Chef Blaze from Top Chef and famous from our own House of Carbs of the appearance he made last Christmas. To talk about cool. food trends in 2018. So that's all stuff to look forward to um, in this superlative season. But we're, we're gonna, we have a couple stories. I have to, to, of course, hear from you about your own superlative eating experience of the last few weeks. You're, you're still in New York City, which still means you're doing York. some great eating. You're doing some great eating. One week ago, I went to Russ and Daughters for the first time. It was very exciting. Wait, wait, wait. For the first time? First time. I'd never been. What, so in the first place, what is the explanation for why you'd never been to Russ and Daughters? Because I haven't lived in New York as an adult. I've only like grew up here and then come back every once in a while. And I'm always based on the Upper West Side when I'm here. And it's on the Lower East Side, so far away. And we have plenty of good bagels and locks uptown. So there was no need to go. However, okay. I'm thrilled that I did. All right. Was it was delightful. I got like just the standard um, lox platter. Plus it was Hanukkah. So me and my friend Rembert Brown split some latkes and it was delicious. He wait, had, like, wait, wait, white... wait, wait. You, you can't just drop your friend Rembert Brown. <laughs> That's that the, 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 the legendary Grantland writer, traveler, world traveler, you know, uh, captured all these United States. Friend of House of Carbs, friend of the program came on and told us. <laughs> About the the lemon pepper wings down in Atlanta. I mean, the the ringer's own Rembert Brown, your pal, of course. How about that? That that little Hanukkah meal. The two now was it his first time to have Russ and Daughters as well? No, he'd been before. Okay, so did did he did he guide you? Not really, I, but I also didn't want his guidance. I was living my own journey, you know. And I and love it. In the hours before, like, we were coordinating, and I was like, just so you know, we're going to Ross and Daughters for lunch. And I kept, like, reminding him, like, three or four times. I was so excited that I had I had forgotten that I'd already told him we were going there. <laughs> That's spectacular. <laughs> I love it. So, you, you, what did you say again what you ordered? I got a bagel and locks, like, the platter and the goes, And then he also got, like, a whitefish chowder, so then I tasted it. The bagel oh. was good. Like, definitely not the best bagel itself that I've ever had, but the lox was okay. excellent. Like, really excellent lox. And a, a nice whipped cream cheese. They didn't have scallion cream cheese, though, which is one of my favorite things, and I was a little upset about yeah. that. But it was delightful. Right. It was a great, great bagel. I devoured it. Really nice aesthetics in there. Very pleasant. Um, you know, they also have uh, 
sparkling water has like the same as tap water, which I really appreciate. And it was delightful. Also, I went on a Wednesday for lunch and that's a good time to go. I didn't have to wait very long. Wasn't that crowded. It was really great. Great, great, great. Okay, good to good to know. I'm 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 happy. We I had no idea we were gonna uh, get to hear you on your your maiden voyage to Russ's daughters. I didn't know that was uh, in store for us today. But I know. Not, nice. Nice, nice to validate the the Russ and daughters. It's a we're we're fans here at House of Carbs. Um, <laughs> we ha- are there are there any food stories out there? Um, there are. The first one is ge- geographically relevant to you, and it comes oh. from Bloomberg. Old Bay spice maker McCormick says rival New Bay is no joke. <laughs> What a headline. McCormick was not amused when an upstart spice maker, Primal Palette LLC, announced in October 2017 that it would start selling a seasoning blend called New Bay. It's New B-A-E. In announcing the new product, Pittsburgh-based Primal admitted the name was a terrible pun intended to promote a Bay seasoning, you know, like you have Maryland, using the texting lingo shorthand. For before anyone else. I didn't know that's what Bay stood for before anyone else. Did you know that? Wait, say it again. You know how like people refer to like their their significant other as their Bay, B-A-E? Yes. Yes. Apparently this, this story has taught me it stands for before anyone else. Okay. I'll, I just, I'll accept that. I, I had no I, idea. It, that's one of those words with usages that are like just beyond me. I'm too old for that 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 action. I don't. I wouldn't call anybody my bay unless I was trying to be uh, hip and ironic, and and I would get punched it, you know, for using it by virtually everyone in my life. Um, but but sh- sure, great. I uh, so so what what so does anyway. old bay have to say about new bay? In April, the Cormac that makes Old Bay sent Primal a cease and desist letter. A month later, yeah. Primal's lawyer acknowledged that the smaller company was seeking to piggyback on McCormick's name recognition, according to the complaint. Of course. Of course. Of course the lawyer said Primal is relatively new to the market and sees McCormick as a foundation of the spice industry. In choosing the name New Bay, Primal was giving a nod to the impact that Old Bay seasoning has made on the spice market. The U.S. Patent and Trade Office had planned to issue a trademark to Primal Palette until McCormick filed to oppose a registration. A hearing before the agency is likely to be held early next year. So this will continue in January 2019. Is there any description of um, what New Bay is supposed to taste like? Um, it's another seasoning that I believe is similar to um, the like a, a Bay seasoning, like that you get with your Maryland crab. Yeah, so I, I'm I, I there's only one Old Bay, and I it's yeah. it's what I want. I I don't want a, a derivation. I don't want a replication. I want the authentic. Real Old Bay, it says it on the can. I want that. That you know, there there are here in the in the DMV Old Bay chips. I want potato chips with Old Bay on them. There's a couple different makers of them. Don't don't if they try to sell me a potato chip with New Bay on it, there 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 might be these hands might come out. There might be fisticuffs. <laughs> okay, so you are opposed and noted. Understand why. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just an OG thing. It's a yeah. Old Bay is is you know it's a it's a legendary flavor profile. It might be the the single most prominent flavor profile here in the in the in the DMV. I'm gonna uh, go out and say that. I'll let uh, the 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 Twitter sphere, all the hungry homies out there. Uh, rebut that that case if if there's a rebuttal to be made, but that would be my stance. Um, I yeah, I, I understand. I, I knew you would feel strongly about it, so that's why I put it on the rundown. All well right. done, thank you. Mo- you're welcome. Moving on. This is a two part story. Have you heard about how Burger King was giving away Whoppers for a penny, but if you got them for the penny, you had to pull into a M- McDonald's parking lot and eat it there. No, but it's kind of funny. (laughs) Exactly. So it was called the Whopper Detour, and it's about to expire. But basically, you could get a Whopper for a penny if you ate it within 600 feet of a McDonald's location. So how how do you how does that work? How's the transaction work? Like, how do you know that you get it for a penny and how do they know where you're eating it? You know, it's you have to like Instagram it. Basically, it's it's depending. I see. Yeah, that's you have to like, you know, Oh, that's what the kids would, who use the term bay would call receipts. So <laughs> a man in Los Angeles, this is coming to us from 6abc.com, which is the local affiliate in Philadelphia. An L.A. man says he tried to take advantage of the Penny Whopper deal that Burger King is offering through the app, but his bill ended up totaling more than $1,000. Boyce Harvey said he selected the Whopper Detour meal deal in the app, but when he went to pick up his order, the manager said they couldn't find it. Harvey said he then selected another deal, but when he left, he said his jaw dropped when he saw that he was charged $1,093.91. Harvey's not overdraft on his account. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's not funny. You you know, he I I have well, I'm not gonna talk about my personal banking situation, but you can't splash the pot on somebody like that, like just go grab a thousand dollars away from somebody. That sounds like a, uh, you know, there. That's a wrong that needs to be righted. I know. It's just kind of like everything here is like in theory funny and high concept, but all gone very wrong. And a thousand dollar charge from Burger King nightmare. And then I can't even imagine like to be to to be using an app to troll your competition to get people to go somewhere. It's just like a lot of steps. It's the kind of thing that you could imagine coming up in a in a. Uh, pitch meeting that people gets approved and then it actually happens you're like wait why do we say yes to this yeah because the logistics uh seem awfully challenging and i hope they need to, to do something nice for this this gentleman not only uh did he not get his his penny burger and not only did he get whatever the replacement deal was that he was willing to pay out of his own pocket but he's got a bunch of of things he's got to fix up now. Like, it's not just the time. It's whatever the overdraft fees. He's got to talk to the bank. I mean, it's a whole rigmarole. They got to come correct. Hey, Burger King, step it up for this man. He he wanted it his way, and, and you gave it to him your way. Yeah. How about instead they give him $1,000? That's what I'm talking about. Now, that would be righting the wrong. Yeah, exactly. All right. And finally, the last one. Um, hold on a second. I was going to wait. Let me let me pivot here. Um, Kyle, do you know where the sandwich thief was? <coughs> you know the sandwich thief one you gave us. Oh, 
Facebook, yeah. Hold on, let me just Google it really quickly. Sandwich Thief, Polk County. Sorry, House, one second. Now I'm, I'm clicking on it. Now I'm on Facebook, which I'm obviously always against, but. Yeah, it's in Florida, obviously. Why do they even question it? Duh. <laughs> oh, no. Two, two of my worst things. I'm on the internet, on Facebook, in Florida. Ah, I got to get up. I got to get away. I got I, 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 I got I hung up the phone on him. I got out of there. Okay. All right. Last story for you. Hit me. This this one comes from the state of Florida, specifically Lakeland, Florida, and Polk County. Polk County mm-hmm. deputies are searching for a suspect who stole a foot-long sandwich and hid it in his pants. The theft occurred around 8.45 on Sunday, November 25th. <laughs> According to Polk County Sheriff's <laughs> Office, the unidentified man walked into the Marathon gas station at 933 Pipkin Road West. The agency released surveillance images showing the suspect wearing tan-colored pants. Deputy said the suspect purchased a drink but left the gas station without paying for the sandwich in his pants. They say that so many times. He left on a bicycle in an unknown direction. And then if you go to the in this in this story, this is from fox13news.com, which is the local fox of I believe Lakeland, Florida. If you go to their Facebook page, you can Google Polk County or search Polk County Sheriff's Office on Facebook. You can see pictures of this man putting the sandwich in his pants as described. So let the dick jokes begin. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's too much. Um, and it not, it's not even like it, I felt like the setup is he was going to be a classic only in Florida. But the, the, the foot long in the pants is not an only in Florida. That, that no. could be anywhere. In these great United States, I, I do wonder. You know, I, 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 it must be the holiday season. I'm feeling very generous right now. If you're a person that goes to the trouble of getting yourself to now, do, do we know whether or not the 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 perp here bought anything else? Did he pay for anything? He did pay for a drink, but he didn't pay for the sandwich. Oh, so I. I, if we had played, what did he paid for roulette? I would have guessed cigarettes. I would have guessed that he took his uh, six or seven dollars, all the money that was in his pocket, bought the the a package of cigarettes, and then and right. then the sandwich was was the ride along. Um, a drink, but you you need a drink if you're going to have a sandwich. So I understand that. And and like I say, I'm feeling generous. And in the in this holiday moment, he just needed a drink with the sandwich. He didn't have enough money for the sandwich. You know, he, he man's got to eat. That's pretty much all I can say. Pay for what you can and hide what you can't. That's the moral of his story, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's the, pay for what you can. Hide. And you know what? Look, but I, I think uh, I'm not the only one wearing a Santa hat in this this season. I think what most of America could understand where he's coming from. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, House. That's the news for you this week. I think it was pretty good. Oh, those, those those were those were great stories. I'm, I just want Burger King to do the right thing for the guy that they stole a thousand dollars from. <laughs> Me too. Come on, guys, do it. <laughs> Thanks, Juliet. Bye, house. Boom! There we go. Hungry homies, taste buds. Another show in the books. Two things for your consideration. Please check out the Instagram the house of carbs i'm putting up pictures of my beautiful vegan tacos you are going to be surprised at how delicious they look you gotta read 
Danny Chow's 10 Best Things That He Ate in 2018. It is up for your glorious consumption. Also, please get yourself over to the www.iheart.com slash podcast awards. There is a particular show under the food category that I can recommend to you. Next week, Andy Greenwald. Until then, my hungry homies, let's stay hungry out there. <laughs> 